want to thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we pray for our children. We ask that they would encounter you in a real way today. Pray for those teaching that you would anoint them. And Father, open our hearts today that we would hear what you have to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are now on to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to do that in its entirety. I wonder if there are any folks from the congregation who want to read some sections from Matthew chapter 2. Read a few verses, or as many as you like, um, and then somebody else can continue from that. Matthew chapter 2. It's the old Bible thing, draw your swords. We don't have that anymore. It's lift up your digital phone and search. So Matthew 2, if somebody wants to start us off, and then we can read through the entire chapter. A really interesting story. We, we always associate this, obviously, with Christmas. Uh, and I'm not going to talk about Christmas today, even though it's October. But doesn't it demonstrate that life wasn't any easier for other people in other generations? And so <coughs> we have the wise men who come from the East. Now, these wise men had assumed that because they had discerned that a great king was going to be born over Israel, that obviously the Jews and the Romans would know about it. How wrong they were. Can you imagine them going in saying, hey guys, we've seen the star, we know the king's going to be born, and they're kind of, what? And it's amazing that those closest to the miracle often do not see it. The Jews, the Romans, they did not see it. King Herod obviously wasn't happy. He was the king. He didn't want another king. But he still believed the news as his actions demonstrated. Had he not believed it, he would have just put it out of his mind. <coughs> One of the things that baffles me is that the Jewish religious leaders were so eager to divulge exactly where Jesus was going to be born. They would regret that later when Herod, in his anger, has all the children to and under killed in that whole area. Today is all about, really, the title for this is You Cannot Stop God's Plan. And as we look through, we begin to see a thread again. We've seen it in the first chapter, but we see a thread again of God's plan. And I want you to see as we go through that we're going to have these repeating themes. And one of them is that God's plan is always being fulfilled. Every page of the gospel is moving towards a fulfillment of what God has already planned that he said thousands of years ago. And so this thread runs through the whole Bible. We've already seen that God kept the birth of the Messiah safe, even though he had a very questionable lineage. Uh, God kept the promise of the birth of the Messiah through the exile of the Jewish people. God kept the promise of the child's birth by entrusting it to Mary and Joseph because they were obedient and willing to be part of God's plan. And God's plan, as we see, will always come to pass. But there's a challenge here. God's plan needs obedient and willing people. It's true of every generation. This is true of us. And here in chapter 2, we see that God's plan moves forward. And I want to focus this morning on two elements. 
The first element is this. There is the world, evil people, and Satan. And the second element is that there are God's called people who are willing and who will overcome. Now, this first element, people, the world, and Satan, well, the really sad thing is that as we read this story, we're actually reading about a foolish king. Herod, in history, is called Herod the Great. He's called Herod the Great because he did some amazing stuff, but in the context of this story, he's a foolish king. The rulers uh, of the religious sects there, the, the Pharisees and that, they were also foolish because they thought that they could help Herod stop the plan of God. Herod was going to get rid of the king, he killed all the children, but actually God saved Mary and Joseph and Jesus in terms of what they were doing. Herod the Great, let me talk to you about Herod the Great for a moment. There are a number of Herods in the Bible and they're not all the same. I think there are three and this one is Herod the Great. And he's called Herod the Great because he was a great builder, he was a great soldier and he was a great orator. However, he was not a good man. He had 10 wives and 15 children. He killed his second wife and her parents. He executed two of his sons because there was a rumor that they were looking to take his position as king. And then on his deathbed, he gave the order for the execution of another son. He suffered with a very bad illness. Um, the historian Josephus describes the symptoms like this. For a fire glowed in him slowly, which did not so much appear to the touch outwardly as it augmented his pains inwardly. For it brought upon him vehement appetite to eating, his entrails were being ulcerated, and the chief violence of his pain lay in his colon. An aqueous and transparent liquor uh, so settled itself about his feet and in a like matter afflicted him at the bottom of his belly. Doesn't sound a nice thing, does it? Now, we often assume, let me ask a question. When you read the story and you read about Mary and Joseph having to flee to Egypt, how long were they in Egypt? Because I always thought they were there for years. They fled there until the death of, of Herod the Great. What might surprise you is Herod the Great died the same year that Jesus was born. Because he had this disease. And so what we would have had is Mary and Joseph going to Egypt. They would have been there a few months, maybe a year maximum, and then they would have come straight back. <coughs> they were not there for a long time. And also, the journey to Egypt was about 40 miles. So it wasn't like thousands of miles to get there. The journey back was longer because the journey from Egypt to Nazareth, because Nazareth was much further in, uh, was about a hundred miles journey that they had to do. Now in all of this, the world, all of Rome's might and Satan could not stop the plan of God. I want you to see that right at the very beginning. I mean, people who are powerless against evil kings, 
powerless against religious rulers who have gone bad, who are powerless to all the stuff that's going on, yet God says, my plan will stand and I will help you through that plan. And I want to say to you, we need to ponder that. We need to spend some time thinking through that no plan of hell can ever thwart God's plan, even though when I read the news every week, I think, our world is going nuts. God's plan will always come to fruition. But alongside the fact that there are people that will try to stop God's plan, there are loads, you know, in our society, there are loads of people involved in politics and other ideologies that are looking to stop God's plan. They are there and they are working. But there is another group of people and they are God's chosen people. There are people of faith and obedience. They're the ones that God calls to be part of his plan. And so the point of this whole chapter is that even though Jesus was born into a life that was full of jeopardy, I mean, Jesus really, uh, he could have been killed a number of times before he was old enough even to fend for himself. But this is the, the thing that I, I, I want you to really see, is that here in God's plan, you've got the jeopardy of King Herod, you've got the foolishness of the Jewish religious leaders, and you've got all the stuff that's going on culturally. So God says, my son is going to be born there, and, the, and Satan is looking to have him killed. So what does he say? Well, I'm going to entrust my son to a teenage girl and a carpenter. Why do I say that? Because that's what God did. And you think, well, is God mad? No. Because God knew that with him they could do it. <coughs> God's plans always succeed. Not only that, but God is fully capable of making sure the plan succeeds. God chooses people and he calls them into something that the Apostle Paul said is a partnering. He wants us to partner with him in the work. Mary and Joseph, they partnered with God, as did the wise men. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you've got Mary and Joseph. I'm not sure how wealthy they would have been, but they had to go from where they lived all the way to Bethlehem. They were in Bethlehem and the dream came and said you have to flee to Egypt. And then they had to go from Egypt all the way back to Nazareth. I'm not sure they would have had a heck of a lot of money. And so what does God do? He sends some wise guys. These guys travel up. They give gold, frankincense and myrrh. Can you imagine? Nobody comes except these wise guys and they come and they bring all of the provision that is needed for Mary and Joseph, for the journey and for the stuff that is ahead. I love it. I love the fact that when people cooperate with God's plan, they are part of seeing its fulfillment. And with the wise men, that's all we kind of hear about them. I mean, these guys traveled, I don't know how far, to following a star from the east, and they traveled all the way there. They gave their gift and left. And yet that supply was part of God's plan 
to make sure that Mary and Joseph were okay and going to Egypt and living and then coming all the way back. As we move through the gospel, we will see that God continues to call people to partner with him. You know, in the end, God could very easily destroy all of humanity and do it all himself. But he doesn't do that. He says, you know, I've called the church, they are my body, and they are here to partner with me in the work that I have. The, the challenge is to get into my own mind and into our own hearts is that we want God to do stuff for our benefit. And God says, no, I have called you to be part of my plan. And by the way, my plan is like 6,000 years old. You've seen its fulfillment slowly over the years. You've seen it fulfilled in Abraham and in David. You've seen it fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. You've seen it fulfilled through the time when I'm working, but I'm looking for people who are willing to say, yeah, I'm going to partner with you in what we do. And so he calls you. This morning, Jesus calls you to partner with him, not in your plan, not in the church's plan, that is Hope Church, but in his plan. And his plan may look very different from the way that we think it should be. He calls us, but he will bring the provision. And maybe God wants you to be a wise man. I mean, these guys traveled all this distance to bring provision to a young married couple. God might call you to do that. I don't know if you read through the Gospels that you begin to see all the background people. You ever notice those? How did Jesus live day by day? Well, he had a lot of women who supplied his needs. <coughs> they fulfilled God's call in it. Or maybe your calling is to be um, a John the Baptist who prepared the way. Or an apostle to help the church move forward. There are so many different ways God calls people to be part of his plan to fulfill his purposes. But let me tell you, he will always fulfill his plan. Now, knowing that God has a plan and saying yes to God's plan doesn't mean it's going to be an easy ride. Those of us a bit longer in the tooth who've seen God at work, it's not an easy ride, is it, really? And so, for Mary and Joseph, they didn't have an easy task. There was nothing about the birth of Jesus that was easy. His <coughs> conception was in controversy and could have ended up in death. And then you've got the whole arena of journeying to Bethlehem for him to be born and then fleeing and coming back. None of that was easy, even though it was part of the plan of God. And the good news is that along the way, God is at work. And I want to encourage you that God may well give you something that is part of his plan. And you look at this and say, this is impossible. I mean, Mary said it. The angel came and said, you're going to have a child. And she goes, a question. I've never slept with a man. It's impossible. Yeah, but God can do this. And throughout the years, God continues to give his plan, to speak his plan. And when we look at it, we think this is impossible. And it should be impossible because we need the power of God to see it fulfilled. And so God's obedient people, they see these miracles. 
You know, Mary and Joseph saw the wise men come. God sends an angel to Joseph to say, hey, it's time to leave. God speaks to the wise men, think, yeah, Herod thinks he's clever, but don't go back to him, go back another way. The angel appears again uh, to Joseph after Herod's death. Hey, you can go back to Israel now. <coughs> but then in a dream, warns him not to settle where he was, but to go to Nazareth. Isn't it amazing how God will miraculously watch over and help his people? Be it angel visits, provision of gold, God looks after his people. Now here's the thing, God did not give Mary and Joseph the entire plan. But let me ask you, if you were Mary and Joseph, would you want to know the whole plan? You know, God doesn't give me the whole plan for my life. If God had told me at age 16 when I made the commitment, everything that was going to lay before me, I think I'd have jumped off a cliff. said, no way. So God gives you just enough to get to the next milestone, the next stage, the next step. And he will supply everything you need to get through. But we get back to where we started this morning, that we need to have confidence in who we are and who he's called us. We can do this. I wonder how many times Mary and Joseph sat together and said, we can't do this. This is too hard. And God says, but you can do this. Because I've called you to do this. And not only did they do it, they did it exceptionally well. They did it so well that they are immortalized in the scriptures in God's book as the mother and father of, of Jesus. The wise men will meet them in heaven, the guys who provided for Jesus. He gives us a step at a time. And he leads us through. And so we go through history and we come to 2023 and we come to Hope Church. That's us. To the followers of Jesus today. And we're also a called people. We're also a chosen people. We sing about it. We celebrate it. We read the scriptures. But we also have a role to play. There is something that God wants us to partner with him, with Jesus. I wonder how we're doing in fulfilling that task. I wonder whether you've even asked a question. I want to ask you today, what is God calling you to do? What is it that Jesus wants you to fulfill as part of the plan of God that will take us to the return of Christ? And when we look at that, it's not about filling the seats in the church. You know, we can be so parochial. Our purpose is to fill the seats here in the church. No, it's not. We need to say, God, what, what is our plan here? What do you want us to do in this generation, in this place? And here's the thing. If no plan of God can be stopped or thwarted, we have every confidence that he will continue to fulfill what he calls us to do, even though <coughs> history may show that the world that we live in now is a changing scene that is becoming far less friendly to Christians. But God will lead us through. The challenge is, is that like Mary and Joseph, like the wise men, we need to not only be obedient, but we need to have faith.
Let me tell you, Hebrews 6 tells us this, that without faith it is impossible to please God. And faith means we need to get to know God, trust in his character, and then no matter what he asks us to do, we will have confidence that it will come to pass. It's not wishing and saying, oh, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, faith is not based in the miracle, faith is based in the miracle maker. We trust in God. And as we read through scripture here, we see the amazing love of God. God has his plan. He chooses people who we might think are not qualified to do it. He says, yeah, but they can do it. And he says, and I will supply. And as they trust in him, they see its fulfillment again and again and again. And I want to ask you this morning, if God calls you, it's probably not the right word if, but as God calls you, are you willing to say yes? And you know that there is no age differentiation here. These young ladies at the front, they're the age that Mary was when God called her. Moses, well, he was 80. Anybody here who's 80 odd? Yeah, a few. So there's still a calling in God there. The, the thing is, if we're on the earth, there is a purpose. <clears throat> and I want to encourage you this morning that God's plan is good. We know that he says uh, in Jeremiah that God's plans are to prosper us, to do us good. And so let's be like Mary and Joseph and say, Lord, we don't know exactly how this is going to be, but we say yes. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Father, I pray this morning that you would give us visions, that you would give us dreams, that you would show us the things that you would have us do. Father, I look across and I see this mighty army of believers in this place who can do all things through Christ who gives them strength. And I want to say to you, first of all, that you are favoured by God. God's favour rests upon you. He loves you and that you can do all things. And Father, I want to pray that how God sees us, that our faith level will match that. And Lord, I pray that you'd begin to give us um, just that internal knowledge, that vision, that dream of what you are calling us to do, and that you would help us to fulfill it. Even though it looks impossible, we know that you will supply, you will do the miracles so that it will come to pass. And Father, I pray that you would help us not to look in fulfilling our own plans and purposes, but to fulfilling the plan of God that has been set in motion even before the world was created and is being fulfilled even as we speak today. Lord, we want to be a part of that plan. Hope Church wants to be a part of that plan. And so we ask that you would help us and be with us in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.